Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Every week, we bring you insightful and encouraging information to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's podcast, I'm being joined by Stephen Ashton. Stephen has a heart for ministering to boys, and he spent a lifetime doing it. From serving at-risk youth for 15 years to now being on the executive team at Trail Life, this homeschool dad has some incredible insight into how we can best engage our boys, not only in the learning process, but in activities that go a long way towards helping them become the man that God has created them to be. You don't want to miss a minute of our conversation. Whether you are a mom of boys, or a dad of boys, or you have friends that have boys, or you know that one day your girls will be marrying boys, this is an episode that no family can afford to miss. So get together, put your headphones in, and let's talk. Welcome back to another episode here of the Teach Them Diligently podcast. I am really glad that you're back with us today, and I am super excited to introduce you to Stephen Ashton. Stephen is a member of the executive team with Trail Life USA, and he is just has an amazing heart for boys and dads and, and the way that guys learn and all this stuff that you're going to learn throughout this hour. I just spent about 20 minutes talking to him before we started recording, and as a mom of boys, I wish that I had heard a lot of stuff you just threw out about 22 years ago. So I'm just really excited for you to listen to him. So Stephen, welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Thank you so much, Leslie. I am I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I am really glad that you're here. I love working with Trail Life. I love just your mission and the the resources that you're providing, the education that you're providing for parents of boys as well as the boys themselves. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background so that maybe we get a better idea of, of how that impacts what you do at Trail Life? Absolutely, Leslie. Well, first of all, I'm a dad. Um, I've got four boys. The oldest is 15, and then I have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old. And I tell you, there's never a dull moment in my house. <laughs> uh, always movement, always something happening. And uh, it's exciting. My wife, uh, I'm, 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 uh, you know, we've been married for about 17 years. And uh, she's just she's tremendous. She's a homeschool mom. And uh, as, a, as a dad, I try to do my best to support her and help her. But she really she carries the brunt of it. Um, I, I, I jump on some math and then try to make it fun. And that's some of what we're going to talk about today is how do we go beyond just academic with boys to really make learning impactful. And yeah. so uh, that's that's the fun part of what I get to do. Before I was a homeschool dad, uh, I spent 15 years working with at-risk kids. And so I worked at uh, a program called Cameron Boys Camp in North Carolina. But um, boy, for most boys, it was their last chance before juvenile hall. And they would come and they'd live in the woods with us for 10 months to two or three years. And you know the tragic thing about these boys was they'd been caught in the failure cycle. And the one thing they'd learned in traditional academics was they couldn't learn. Um, and it was tragic because it just it just yeah. wasn't true, Leslie. And we found that in a pro- in, a, in our program, though, after about a year in our program, these kids who'd been failing traditionally were gaining two years academically. We really have an epidemic in our country specifically with boys. Two-thirds of learning disabled students are boys. And 75% wow. of ADHD students are male. 
And so we really, things have gotten out of kilter. We talk a lot about girls and helping girls learn. But in 1969, 40% of college students were female. And by 2009, 40% of college students were male. Wow. So that actually just flipped. That completely completely flipped. flipped. Wow. Boys are behind in every academic category right now compared to girls. I was watching the Super Bowl actually with my son the other day with my 10-year-old. And uh, we were watching the commercials and he said to me, Dad, girls hear all the time that they can do anything, but boys need encouragement too. Huh. And it hit me. And I thought at 10 years old, at 10 years old, he's getting that message that girls can do anything, but he's feeling discouraged um, in in his own, in his own, own pursuits. That's amazing. Why do you think that that, that major swing has happened? What has caused the the girls to truly be moving ahead academically and the boys to continue to fall behind, be diagnosed with learning disorder, or, uh, disabilities, ADHD, all of these things. What What is at play here? Yeah, that's a great question, Leslie. You know, I think one of the things our culture's forgetting, and Mark talks about this really well in, in the Growing Godly Boys book, is that boys are unappreciated. Uh, we've, huh. we've rejected the idea as a society that men and women are different. Uh, we hear all the time that uh, you know girls can do anything boys can do, and it, it's just not true. Um, boys can't do everything girls can do, and God made us that way, and that's okay. Uh, we have unique strengths, and one of the things that God made men to do is just to do. Uh, we don't do well sitting still. Uh, we would need to be out doing something. And if you think traditionally about how learning happened, that's exactly the way boys learn. They were on the farm or they were doing apprenticeships or they were out in the field and they were working alongside men. One of the Hebrew words for learning is actually literally it's an it's a pictograph of a yoke. Uh, It's two people coming alongside together to accomplish something. I think that's a great picture of of how it is that boys are just created, created to learn. And so boys needed to be on the farm. They needed to learn things. They needed to work alongside men who were action. And as they did that, learning naturally occurred you know if you think about they say 90 percent of a child's brain is developed by the age of five really wow 90 percent of a child's brain is developed by the age of five think about all a kid learns in his first five years right i mean and how they learn it right and how yes communication language could you imagine trying to teach your child to talk in a, in a classroom <laughs> Where we're I mean, telling him to be quiet. And he repeat him back. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing the opposite, aren't we, Leslie? Exactly. You can't <laughs> talk in a classroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, learn to play but, emotions. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. That 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 is a statistic that I'd never really thought about. It's it's fascinating to think though. Like you said, teaching him to talk, teaching him all the other things that we do that are so active. And as parents, we are their very first teachers with everything. We're holding their fingers, teaching them how to walk, mm-hmm. all of these things. But in all of them, we're we're doing it with them. We're coming alongside them. And that's just a, that's really a fascinating statistic to make you think in those terms. I think of, of stuff that we just take for granted. Absolutely. I, I mean, I was thinking about the other day, if I were to try trying to do potty training with my child and I set that up as a lecture, you know, how's that going to work? <laughs> My, I'll teach him how his bladder works and, 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 and how water goes in and how it needs to come out. But if we didn't practice those things, of course, that would be impractical, right? Wow. But that's the way we've set up our education. 
And why do we do it that way? Well, it's efficient, right? Because it's not about the most effective way to teach something. Because we know the most effective way to teach anything is to do it and to practice it together. Yep. But if you're going to put 30 kids in a classroom and you're going to, and then, then, and then you have to tell them all to be quiet and you're going to have to have them sit in rows and you're going to force a rule of silence and then you're going to have to tell them what you're going to tell them and you're going to have to tell them and then you're going to have to tell them what you told them and then you're going to have to test them on it and then when they didn't get the test, then you have to retest them on it and then you're going to have to figure out the gaps in their learning. What if they just did something practical and either it worked or it didn't? Yeah. Yeah. And what if they could fail? What Because think about that. What are we teaching kids, right? We're teaching them to tell the teacher what she wants to hear. We're teaching them to obey rules. We're teaching them to sit still and listen and to take notes and to regurgitate the information we give them. And we teach them to avoid failure at all costs. Have you thought about that? When That's actually what a I want to teach we learn. Yeah, we learn more through our failures a lot of times than we do through our successes. Because you've got to stub your toe. You've got to fall on your face a few times before you you learn the way to go in so many other things of life. And yet we aren't applying that to our education. Yeah. Yeah. We're teaching kids to play it safe. Right. But historically, yeah. what is where all where have all the great inventions come from? It's from people who take risks. Thomas Edison said, I've never failed. I've just found 10,000 things that don't work. Right. I love <laughs> yeah. that quote. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and that's it's so fascinating, too, as you're talking about about the way that we're teaching kids and specifically classroom education. You know, I, I had my two oldest are boys as a girl. I didn't understand them as they were coming up because I was never one of them. Um, but I learned really quickly as I was homeschooling them that though my two girls could sit and do stuff for, you know, a, a while, for the boys, they actually retained stuff a lot more if they were moving. Or I would find that I completely lost them and they are sitting there clearly fighting wars or chasing squirrels in their head. And, you know, they're just like, you know, three hours to do a math worksheet. Something's going on inside oh, of them. Oh, tell me a story. And, yep. Yeah. And, and just sending them outside, play basketball, go jump on the trampoline, run around the house 16 times. But just yep. allowing them to move was it was amazing how that opened up their mind and they were able to succeed in whatever we were doing when they came back but they were able to to get that movement out and it grieves me so much that in a traditional school environment we're not only not letting them learn in a way that's efficient for them but we are actively cutting the amount of activity that we're allowing these kids to have boys and girls alike but i i would imagine it has to impact the boys more Leslie, I remember as a kid um, sitting in class and just feeling like I had to move. Even now, I work at a standing desk. I can't sit all day. I'm, I'm, I'm creative and I'm processing and working through things. But I remember sitting at my desk in first grade like it was yesterday and just thinking that I've got to move. I can't sit still anymore. And so I, being a resourceful kid, I started breaking my pencil lead. And I remember that I broke my pencil lead just so I could get up and go and sharpen my pencil. And then I come and sit back down. I could work some more. But pretty soon my teacher caught on yeah. and uh and she told me i had to stop getting up to go sharpen my pencil so if i broke my pencil at any more that i had to raise my hand and she'd come sharpen my pencil for me <laughs> well leslie i can wow. tell you how that went <laughs> being wow. a resourceful boy leslie i broke my pencil lead a lot <laughs> and she raised my hand and she'd come over to take my pencil and pretty soon i was in the principal's office and so i got in trouble and i, <laughs> I realized that i couldn't break my pencil lead anymore leslie so you know what i did what you do? I was a resourceful boy, so um, so I had a lot of paper, 
And if I messed up, I had to do something with it, right? So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd take my paper and I'd, I'd mess up on a piece of paper and instead of erasing it, I'd crumple it up and I'd throw it in the trash can. But I realized if I made it in the trash can, it didn't matter. But if I missed, well, yeah. now I've got to get up and go pick up my paper and throw it in the trash can, right? So pretty soon I was missing on a regular basis and uh, you know what happened? I'm assuming she probably got on to you at some point. She did. She didn't like me throwing papers in the trash can, so <laughs> she made a rule. Could you imagine that, Leslie? She made a rule right. that we couldn't wow. throw papers in the trash can anymore. And so uh, so I had a lot of paper, though. I didn't know what to do with it. So I just I ended up at the principal's office again. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a bad kid, Leslie. I think I was normal. Right. I just couldn't exactly. sit still on the desk all day. I, I wanted to stand. I wanted to stand up. I wanted to be able to move around. I wanted to be able to work because God made us on purpose for a purpose. And boys' brains are activated through action. Right. Well, and that's actually one of the things that I really picked up on after I gave myself the freedom to not do school like I had experienced school. So I, like probably most people listening in, um, started our homeschool as just a duplicate of what my experience had been and um you know so desks the sitting the worksheets the all of that Mm -hmm. well i learned in pretty short order that for my boys that was torture that was so hard and for my relationship with my boys that was really hard because we were constantly butting heads about something really dumb like not lines that i wanted to draw on the sand not hills i wanted to die on Mm. so i learned that if i just gave them a clipboard and the freedom to move around that that worksheet that took three hours that they still kind of needed to finish because i needed to make sure they were learning those math facts at that time but that worksheet that used to take so long because they they were just not paying attention to it all of a sudden got done an awful lot quicker. And it was because I set them free to move or, you know, be upside down on the couch with their feet up in the air or whatever it took to allow them the the ability to unleash what they already knew, but to get it down so that we could move on with other things that were a lot more fun. Yeah. Do you know when I worked with at-risk kids where the favorite place to write articles were? Where? In a tree. Ah. We'd give them a clipboard, and if they could climb a tree, they would yep. write really, really well on a tree. I mean, by riverbank, but the favorite thing, no matter where it was, it was always if I could let them go climb a tree and write, they would write huh. some of the best articles, and I fought a lot less with them. And Leslie, like you said, they were often hanging upside down. <laughs> yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Again, not being a guy, not ever having that experience, <laughs> it kind of caught me off guard until I stepped back, and I was like, actually so appreciative of the difference between the way that me and the girls were created and the way that David and our guys were created. Um, because you could just see the, just the, the incredible uniquenesses that God gave the genders coming out, mm-hmm. even when they were young. And it was, it's truly a cause to rejoice, kind of looping back to what you were saying before. It's not something to try to stifle or to try right. to wash away. Those differences are something that we should be celebrating because they come from a good God who loves us well. Mm, absolutely. Gosh, that's so true, Leslie. Thank you. 
Well, you're welcome. I, I want to I want to jump in and and look a little bit more at some of these really the differences in specifically homeschooling boys. So mm. I know that that you know we've talked a little bit about education. I know that you kind of mentioned about you know the things that you do within your homeschool um, and specifically yeah. you know I kind of keyed on the making it fun. That's one thing that I think guys under appreciate their role in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in our family, whenever I would try to give a class to David, it failed miserably <laughs> because mm-hmm. not that he couldn't teach it, but that's not where his focus was for us to try to fit when we needed him to teach into what he had available usually didn't work out. I know that some yeah. do, um, but for us, it didn't. But Dad going or getting involved in a myriad of other ways. Dad, when we would go to museums or go out to, you know, historical sites or whatever, that's when dad really shone. When we would go out and, you know, get a cabin and do active stuff, go hiking and look at botany stuff, all of this stuff, dad really, really just that was just his his arena he just was on his game there and it was so good to reinforce relationships with the kids and david as well Mm -hmm. as unlock a love of learning that a textbook just doesn't do yeah you know i'm I'm glad you brought that up i think about jesus honestly Hmm. jesus goal was to teach men to be teachers Hmm. Right. Yep. And and God, God, when He sent Jesus to Earth, He had one shot to get this right. I mean, there wasn't a plan B. If this doesn't work, I, yeah, I mean, does God come back again? <laughs> it, it, he he went in for he went in for all the marbles right off the gate. And and what was his process? Did he set up a classroom? Nope. Did he did he create a university? Hmm. When when Jesus wanted to inspire Peter to teach men. Right. I mean, his call was to make fishers of men. I want you to teach men how to do this. But what did what did he do? He He took life with him. Yeah. Well, and and to start, he took Peter on the fishing trip of a lifetime. Right. Yeah. You remember that? Peter was on the boat and he said, hey, cast your net on the other side. And Peter said, are you crazy? I don't know who you are, Mr. (laughs) Guy on the shore who's not fishing, but I've done this for a while. And that's not how you catch a fish. All right. But Peter did it. And he pulled in a catch like he'd never caught in his life. And he and, and it caught his attention. And then they came to shore. And I think, I know that at the end they did this. I think Jesus lit a fire. Because if you catch that many fish, you don't leave them all there and not eat some, right? And right. So, oh, for sure. <laughs> I think they lit a fire. I don't know how Jesus started a fire. I don't know if he zapped it with his finger. Um, or if he <laughs> carried around flint and steel. Or uh, if he did a friction fire. I'm not sure what Jesus means was. But I know they started a fire, or I, well, I think they started a fire right there on the riverbank, and then they went hiking, hmm. right? And then they went camping. Uh, they stayed somewhere that night, and we know exactly. that they went boating. We know that they sat around a fire. Could you imagine? I wonder I wonder what kind of stories Jesus would tell sitting around a campfire. Hmm. We have some recorded, but I'll bet you Jesus told some great campfire stories. We know they went to parties, and they had meals together. We know that they sang. We find that in Scripture. We know they prayed. And as they prayed, they saw God answer prayer and show up in really tangible ways that met their needs. I think that's something we need more of. Uh, as yeah. a dad, that's something I'm challenged by consistently is how am I praying with my kids and expecting God to show up and prove that he's real? And I can tell mm. story after story 
Uh, maybe we'll have time for that. Of, of somehow that happened in the woods with that risk kids, but being intentional about praying with my kids. Cause if I don't pray with my kids, my kids are never going to see answered prayer. Yeah. Yep. Right. And we, yeah. We as we pray with them and yeah. And really draw attention to those answers, celebrate them together, praise God together for them. That just increases their faith um, mm. in, in ways that you can't, again, you're not going to teach in a classroom. This is, right. this is life, <laughs> living life together and seeing God work together that will teach you so much more than you can ever imagine. And that comes back full circle to your point, right? As men, we want to do something. And yep. that was James heart. James said, faith without works is dead. Mm. And I would take that to another place. I would say that academics without application leads to apathy or yep. ap ap academics without accomplishment leads to apathy. And for so many dads sitting down with their kids at night and going over math problems, while it might be necessary, if we're not working in some of those other pieces, and I can say from my perspective as a dad working all day, the last thing I want to do sometimes is come home at night and fight with my kids about algebra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I need, I need some of those venues where we're building a relationship. Hmm. Um, and we can talk, and we're going to talk more later about some of those stories of how dads are doing that. And how does that work yeah. for me as a dad to build a relationship with my kids in learning? And yeah, honestly, I think you're going to find it's more natural than you think. Well, exactly. And even as you were talking about Jesus and the way that he taught, it, it popped into my head that, you know, he didn't choose the most elite, well-behaved individual. I mean, we see we've got Peter, who's pretty erratic. He's pretty emotional. He's, you know, he's pretty revved up. And yet, and yet Jesus invested deeply in him and God used him powerfully in oh, that goodness, young yes. early church and, and in spreading the gospel ultimately around the world because of the work that, that Peter did there with the Jews. And, you know, it's, it's just amazing how Jesus invested in these guys who were just mm -hmm. average guys. These were not <laughs> the, the cream of the crop, well-behaved, sit-in-a-desk guys, Ivy League guys. These were <laughs> average Joe guys that God, with God's investment in them, change the world. And that's a really awesome thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus called Peter the rock, but I think today mm -hmm. he might've just called him Rocky, right? Exactly. It does seem so. Well, I want you to tell us about, you were, you were sharing with me a story um, about a, a dad or a group of dads and kind of the way that them teaching their boys kind of took off and took on a life of its own. And I want you to tell us about that boat story. Um, in case you're, you're not tracking with me there, but no, the reason I'm right I really there. want you, yeah, I want you to do it because I think that we have a very small view of education. And mm. when I hear you go through that and really lay out all of the different pieces of what they were learning and how, I think that it just mm -hmm. widens our view of what education actually is and how we're preparing our kids in everything that we do. And so yeah. uh, I wanted you to share that story for sure. Absolutely. No, I'd love to. And that's what Christ did. It was practical mm -hmm. and it was day to day and it was hands on. Right. And so it's one of my favorite trail life stories, actually. And we have it on the blog and I'll, I'll share that link with you so they can find it. Um, yeah, for but sure. there was a group of boys and they were, they were trying to plan their year. And that's kind of how the trail life program works. The boys are in charge uh, to the extent that they can. Uh, the boys are in charge. We try to go through a couple ground rules and that is, you know, uh, never do for a boy what he can do for himself. And, um, 
I've just lost track of my second ground. Oh, there we go. And don't do it to them <laughs> or for them, but do it with them. Uh, yep. Don't do it to them or for them, do it with them and never do for a boy what he can do for himself. And so mm-hmm. they were, the boys are capable of planning the year and planning is huge. In, in, my, in my background with experiential education, the general process we follow is plan, do, evaluate, write. And that's at the heart of trail life as well. So together, these boys were coming and with, with the men and they were going to plan out their year. And they said, well, what kind of things do we want to do we want to talk about? And the boys all started talking at once because that's what boys do. And let me tell you, if you're asking boys a group question, expect a group answer. And I think that's really important, Leslie. Don't chastise them for all talking at once. If you ask them to all talk at once, expect them to all talk at once because they're boys and they're all going to talk at once. And let them go. Um, and let them talk over each other and, and allow those boys to compete even for their answers. And because that's healthy, too, because as men, we want to compete. Mark talks about that in, in, in boys being uninspired, that we're missing competition and that that's OK. So the boys started talking and they were throwing out ideas and they were probably yelling over each other a little bit. And they were talking about fishing and shooting and, uh, and camping and things they wanted to do outside. But as things started to settle down, the idea came that kind of. Fishing and, and shooting were the big thing. So they'd kind of go up with this idea that it was going to be the year of the blast and cast. And then some other boy threw out this outlandish idea. He said, what if we build a boat? <laughs> and Leslie, the dads didn't know any better than to shoot, you know, didn't know to shoot him down. So they, they went with it. <laughs> and uh, so what if we did build a boat? And they started thinking about it. And this is where the magic of education happens is when you let a kid's curiosity run and you let him explore the things that he's naturally curious about. Suddenly, you don't have to work to teach him anymore. He asked to see it if it's tangible and it's something he can put his fingers on and he could wrap his and he can wrap his hands around. Now they swarm around it and they examine it and they touch it. And that's kind of where this process went. Uh, yeah. Building a boat. And they thought, well, what do we make it out of? Do we make it out of metal? Do we make it out of wood? And pretty soon as they talked about this process, and this is problem solving, right? As we were talking about this process, they said, well, uh, this dad said, well, I, I work out of the camp and we've got a bunch of wood and we have a portable sawmill. So hmm. they said, okay, well, what it is. So then they started coming back to meetings and they said, well, what kind of wood should we make it out of? And so they started studying different types of trees. They thought about pine or oak or one, well, the one they landed on was Douglas fir, but the boys learned a lot about what types of wood wasn't going to splinter and what would hold up huh. and what would help with buoyancy. And so we're learning all kinds of things about how, 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 how to make a boat. And then they thought, okay, well, we've got this idea of the boat and it's, we're going to make it, make it of wood. Now, how do we power it? Uh, is it going to be a rowboat? Do we make a canoe, right? There's a lot of different <laughs> boats we can make. So they started researching boats and, uh, and thinking about drag and, and how it would get through the water. And, um, and then they started having all these big ideas uh, when they dropped some trees so they could start seasoning those, seasoning the trees for whatever they were going to do. Yeah. Um, but they didn't have any money. So, they, kids liked the idea of a motorboat, but they didn't have money. I mean, they, they had wood supplied, so that was covered. But how do you buy a motor? So one dad said, well, I've got this old broken golf cart. What if we uh, what if we do something where we fix up this motor and maybe we can make some outboard motor out of the golf cart? And the kids all jumped on it. So now the kids are swimming around this golf cart and they're spending, they're spending meeting times working on, the, on this golf cart motor. And they fixed the engine. And instead of using it as an outboard motor – they decided to sell, fix a whole golf cart and sell it. So they fixed the golf cart and sold it. And then they boys got excited about fixing engines. And so they, they fixed a, a generator and sold it. And, uh, and they fixed a compressor and they fixed a brush hog. And wow. they learned a small engine repair badge. So now they've, yeah, they've, they've earned a, a, a carpentry badge. They're earning a, a, a small engine repair badge. 
They had an entrepreneurship badge. Hmm. And this is some of badge-based education. You know, there's, there's some ideas around that, even as a homeschool group. There are um, homeschool groups that come together and they think, what are our objectives for the next year? And how do we bring our boys together to accomplish some projects that help them advance in trail life? Because boys like awards and advancement and it makes them feel good. And the hmm. community that develops around that. Um, and, and they do this badge-based education. So another badge that they earned was a blacksmithing badge. Uh, they wanted to have some oarlocks in case their engine dies out in the middle of the lake. And so they decided to fashion their own oarlocks. And there's a picture of these oarlocks this boy made um, on the blog. And it really is. It actually, this got picked up by Caleb. They ran a story on it. It was so great. Oh, wow. But cool. You, you think about what these kids are learning. And this is education. And this is the kind of stuff that dads get excited about. Yeah. Um, one of the things, my 10-year-old loves cars. And uh, we're getting ready. I was partly inspired by this one. To go get an old lawnmower engine, and we're going to tear and we're going to tear the thing apart. And uh, you know what kinds of things are we going to learn hmm. as we tear apart the lawnmower engine? But what things is your family excited about? Where do you plug this in? Um, and whether that's a trip you're going to take, you know, mom, you don't have to do all the planning, right? Yep. Your kids can do research online. They can do reading. They can uh, they can they can write up uh, outlines for where they want to go. They can do presentations to their brothers and sisters to make the case for why we want to go to this place versus that place. They can come up with menus of the food they want to eat. And you know what? They can mess up. They can forget things. And that's okay, too, because failure isn't fatal. And so really this whole plan, do, evaluate process, as they went through this, they were planning each stage of this, and then they were doing it, and then they talk about what worked and what didn't work. And then they'd revise the plan, and they go back and do some more. But as we do this consistently, we find that, that education happens. Yeah. And I actually, I, first of all, I love that story. I love the just really practical laying out all of those different things that they learned, all of the the things that they were able to conquer and achieve and get their hands dirty mm-hmm. with, and all of the relationships that they were building with the dads involved. It's just yeah. awesome. And not just their dad, um, right? Yeah, exactly. With men in general who are investing in these guys, which uh, don't get me started on that one. Well, I'll let you go off on that one in a minute. Um, But it's so important to to allow your your boys to be influenced by other godly men. Um, Big, big deal. Um, But one thing that you said that was actually um, a rebuke to me, and I Mm. have a very current like last hour situation to share with you about that you noted that we should never do for a boy what he can do for himself and i think Mm -hmm. that that's something that's really really hard for us moms because we want to serve we want to do just literally about an hour ago my son who is a junior in college ran home between classes to he asked he asked me if i would make him a sandwich because he was just going to be really quick and so i made him a sandwich but i ran upstairs and i was gonna um I get something out of his room. He hadn't, he'd been late this morning or running late this morning, hadn't made his bed. I made his bed for him. And he actually was really disappointed because he has Mm. been trying to get in the habit of making his bed and do the stuff that he's, when he was a younger teenager was not a priority, I assure you. Mm. But now he's really trying to, to refine that. And as you know, he's maturing and, and becoming a man, he sees the importance of things like this. So the fact that I went in there, he wasn't mad at me. He wasn't, you know, so it wasn't that kind of a thing, but 
I had never thought about the fact that I feel like I'm doing him a favor. I'm helping him out. But actually, to him, this is a benchmark that he is trying to achieve. And I just intervened in that. Um, Mm. So as moms, I guess kind of going back to the letting the boys fail that you mentioned early on and never do for a boy what he can do for himself. We have got to allow our guys to spread their wings and to actually fly on their own, whether it be something as little as making your bed and trying to help in that or as big Mm. as sending them off to do dangerous things that God has put in their heart to do. And allowing God to grow us and our trust as parents in that Mm -hmm. while he's growing our boys all along the way. So when you threw that out, it was like the Lord just (laughs) pricked my conscience. That's why he didn't want you doing it, because he is growing in that area. And I just intervened. And so Mm -hmm. um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, because that immediately made an impact on me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. You talk about making your bed. It's it, it's a God thing. I think that you bring that up. Um, when, when we did work with, with at-risk youth, one of the first things we really worked with them on was learning to make a bed. Hmm. And it's it seems so, it seems kind of wild. It's, I think in a lot of places, a lost art anymore. But Isaiah 32, 17, and this is one of my mentors, um, just foundational verses, but Isaiah 32, 17 says, the fruit of righteousness will be peace hmm. and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. And Mac would talk to us about that. He would say, how does a boy learn the feeling of rightness? You know, as parents, from an educational perspective, one of the most important things we can t- we, we want to teach our kids is to follow the Lord and about this idea of righteousness and about this idea of rightness and that there is right and wrong. But it's one of those things that's abstract and it's really, really hard to teach. And the physical realm is one of the best places to do it. Hmm. And so... In, 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 in this physical realm, you get a feeling when things when things are done right. And it was a little thing that was making a bed. It was raking a trail. But in the outdoors, oftentimes we found at camp, these lessons were learned very clearly, right? Making a fire. Hmm. There's, a, there's an art to doing that. It requires a delicate balance of heat and fuel and air. If you have too much or too little of any one of those, you have failure. But when a boy learns to do it right, he has a feeling of righteousness. He has a feeling of accomplishment. I did this right. Um, I remember, you know, a young person only sets up a tent in a low spot once before it rains, right? And the <laughs> rainstorm comes and he gets a feeling of unrighteousness. Exactly. Right? And coldness. Like wet that night and coldness, that is not good, right? Exactly. Um, if, you, if you leave food outside overnight, you get a feeling of unrighteousness. But when you put it away and you learn to hang your bear bag and the animals don't get into it, your belly tells you a very important lesson about the mm-hmm. feeling of righteousness. And so when boys start to learn these lessons, you know, keeping your shoes dry, that's another, when you learn to do that and you learn to do it right on a trip, you experience that feeling of brightness and, and what that looks like. But as children experience this sense of brightness in the physical realm and these little things you're talking about, it starts to make sense in the more abstract and in the spiritual yeah. realm. And they can start to understand, you know, as they understand these, they start to think about spiritual rightness and what does it mean to have a right relationship with God and that those things really are intertwined and right relationships with men. That's something else you mm-hmm. talked about a minute ago, that it, it's a community of men that as a dad, I don't have all the answers, but yeah. as my sons have right relationships with other men, that points them to Christ as well. And that's just, oh, that's so important. It, it really is. Well, Stephen, I want, I, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about trail life and how trail life comes as, alongside families to to equip them to serve their boys well, but mm. also to give the boys 
opportunity and challenges and and like you noted before badge based education i don't even know what that is and i want to because it sounds so cool so can you tell us a little bit about that yeah well we have an epidemic and mark talks about this again in his in his podcast about boys being uninspired and that we have a generation of boys who are just disappearing into video games because they want challenge they want to accomplish something bigger than us and mark has a statement i'm sure yeah, that he says that boys can't even seem to win at winning Right. They go to video games because it's progressive and it gets more difficult and they have a community of friends and their victories are celebrated. On Trail Life, we're providing some of that same thing. Uh, we're providing challenge and real world challenge. And whether that's uh, camping out with, with, by a fire or whether that's hiking up a mountain or whether it's a service project, there's a great story that we posted on our social media today about a whole troop that went over and cleaned up this, uh, this widow's house and they cut all of our bushes and they trimmed things back. And there's a feeling of righteousness that comes with that. Mm. And there's a relationship as you do those things with other men that really is transformational. But boys in particular have a hunger for that kind of challenge. And, you know, it's being a race in sports, not keeping score. And so hmm. where do boys go to find that kind of thing? And, and more and more, they're disappearing into apathy. And we could, we could go a lot of places with, that, with this topic, honestly, Leslie. There's a lot there that, you know, as men, if we don't have that, we either disappear into anger or we disappear into apathy. Hmm. But I think what's happening is the generations we're seeing boys are becoming apathetic because they're they're really they're missing the heart of that challenge. And um, as as my boys get surrounded by a community of men, as as we come together and we plan and we look at things we want to accomplish, and then as we go do them, uh, you know, our boys are just, they just come alive, and that's really the heart of what we're accomplishing in trail life. Yeah, I I love 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 what you're doing. Um, and, and would really, I, I would very much like for you to tell the families who are listening as we're, you know, kind of running out of time here, need to, to wind it down, but how mm. can they get involved with trail life? How can they find a, a troop or start a troop if there isn't one? Because oh. I know that would be, you know, think of how many families these you could minister to if you just started something new like this. So tell us how we can get involved. Yeah, or to start one in your homeschool community. And you mentioned yeah. badge-based education, so I'll hit a couple of those things real quick. You know, part Fabulous. of the idea of badge-based education is just coming together as families, and trail life has badges, right? And so you're mm. going to learn about citizenship, or you're going to learn about government, or you're going to learn about carpentry, or you're going to learn about um, engine repair. Who knows what's on your list of things you want to accomplish <laughs> in that homeschool year. But as you as parents start thinking about that and engaging your sons in things they want to learn about, as those things are married, trail life badges often provide a very – tangible means for mm -hmm. digging into some of those things that, that boys want to learn. And so really all you need are four men um, that are going to come alongside and to start this troop. And so you need four men and you need uh, some kind of organization. We really like it to be a church. We believe in trail life that God's means for growing the body of Christ is a church. The church is the body of Christ. And so we really, and from a child safety youth protections piece as well, we really want a pastor or a ministry leader that signs off on every adult in that church. And our mm. child safety and youth protection is second to none. Uh, we are we're emphatic about that and doing that right. But you need you need four men, and you need uh, ideally a church, whether that it's your uh, homeschool co-op that's kind of where that's being sponsored, or 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 your church wants to do that. But you can come together as a homeschool group. I'd encourage you not to just keep it at homeschool because there's lots of boys in public school that need what you have to offer. Um, Absolutely. But it, there are just homeschool groups as well. And uh, if you go to startertroop.com or trailifeusa.com or startertroop.com, either place will get you there. Um, you can find a troop in your area. And if you're curious, uh, if you go to our website again, startertroop.com, 
you can find uh, you can find troops right in your area too. And so there aren't we, we almost can't have too many troops. It's common. I, I was in North Carolina, Leslie, just the other day. They started their troop, and within two weeks, they had had a hundred boys showing up. Wow! Uh, and they, were, they were having to turn kids away. So one of the challenges we have right now is trail life. Is thinking how do we how do we um, I was going to say split troops. So split's a bad word. You don't split a church. You want to plant a church. How do we plant troops? Yeah, right? there you go. <laughs> uh, how do we help these guys in troops go plant another troop? Yeah. Uh, so that we can we can keep this going and boys can be reached because there really is a demand because um, what we have is working. And Mark's going to talk about this. We have a proven process that he's going over and when he, that he went over in the Raising Godly Boys talk. But we tell mm-hmm. the church, if you're doing this and in a year, you're not seeing boys growing spiritually, we will refund your, your investment. Um, wow. We believe this works. We're seeing it happen over and over again that boys are going to become godly men as they engage with other men in experiential, hands-on education, mm-hmm. where spiritual learning becomes real too. Um, and yes. so it's, it's so important. 36% yes. of parents think churches are serving their sons well. Um, we wow, have a, just, just 36%? A, 36% of parents, according oh. to Barna, believe churches are serving their sons well. And so the church is looking for ways to to engage boys. And it's got to go beyond the same thing the school's doing, right? Where we sit in a classroom, right. we tell them to sit down and be still and be quiet and behave like the girls. And then we tell them to talk about their feelings and boys don't even know where to start there. <laughs> but when they get out around a campfire um, and they're with other men, God shows up. And, uh, and yeah. amazing things happen. And that's that's the heartbeat of trail life, Leslie, is getting those men and boys together and opening up conversations and talking about real things that we're dealing with. And I tell you, Dad, as you get in trail life and you get around the fire with other men, hmm. God does just as amazing things. Uh, Sean says in one of our videos, we thought trail life was for boys. But we found out that as we started this, that the men were growing and having just as much fun as the boys were. Hmm. And, uh, Dad, as you get involved there with your son, you're going to find that community of men, that band of brothers they're going to come alongside you as you do seek to grow your son uh, to be a godly man. And um, it's, I, I can't think of a better gift for my son yeah. than to have other men who are like-minded, who are pouring into their lives and passionate about growing them to be godly men. And Leslie, that, uh, that inspires me just as much as anything. In well, this, in this at, it is awesome to hear. And it's also an amazing gift for the wives and moms out there because Absolutely. as dad is growing, as his community is growing. He is investing more in the boys and in other people. That's just strengthening your family. That's just Absolutely. leading mom better. That's that's such a joy. As I can say, as a wife, it's such a joy to see your husband grow and thrive and be all that God has called him to be. So it's not just a gift for boys. That is a gift mm-hmm. for every member of your family um, to get involved with something like that and really, really connect Um So we are so excited. I'm so excited to have you all joining us at Teach Them Diligently. I've actually heard some rumors that you all are working on some pretty fun activities to offer while you're there. We're we're actually actively moving stuff around to make room for you. So can you give us any hints or or headlines as what you're, you're thinking of doing as fun activities for the kids? You know, I hope we can pull this off, Leslie. We did it for the first time last weekend. We were at at the Ignite Conference in Lynchburg. And we had uh, tomahawk throwing, and we had slingshots, and we had pugil sticks. And most dads, Leslie, aren't going to know what a pugil stick is, but it's this <laughs> PVC pipe with pads on either end. You stand on a two-by-four, and you try to ah. knock each other off of it. And so yep. a lot of fun. We had fire starting. Um, I'm, yeah, we had we had several other events. We had, oh, we had uh, branding branding wood, um, but it was it was a ton of fun. It was, it was so much fun to watch these 
boys and dads get competitive with with slingshots with tomahawk to see you can throw it the best and fire starting and uh it, it was it was such a great experience and so we really are excited um to yeah to to see to bring this to the teach and diligently conferences we yeah. think dads are going to walk away having some great memories with their sons and moms are going to have a blast watching these guys and oh, I bet no you're going to be a mom or two that's going to get into throwing a tomahawk or, uh, or I'd do know, it. shoot a slingshot. I or... promise you that. I'd be right in there. <laughs> so, so we, yeah, yeah, we, we, we can make that happen. That'd be great. I do too. I And we are working really hard. I think I think we're going to get there. So I just think this will be a great thing. I can't wait to see the videos that get posted on social media of all of these activities because I'm sure it's going to be fun to behold. But Stephen, I am so grateful for you spending your time with us today. It's been challenging. It's been encouraging. Um, I've just, I know my heart has been just really lifted as I think about this is a lot of hope for our boys. And that's in a world where our boys are just dogged on all the time. So mm. thank you guys for bringing hope to our families that our boys, mm. there is, they could be who God created them to be. And there are tools and resources out there to help them. So I am very grateful. That's right. And God created them on purpose for a purpose and, uh, and they're unique. And that's, that's, that should be celebrated. And so are the, so are our girls. And yep. uh, that we're different and God made us that way is that truth is as we appreciate that we're going to see both of them blossom into who really God made them to be. And that that's exciting. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you, uh, Stephen, for spending the time with us. to the rest of you. I hope this has been a challenge and super encouraging. My husband must have just gotten home because my dog's going crazy back there. But I hope that you um, can take a lot of the things that Stephen has said, talk it over in your family, husbands, wives, discuss this, see what you can do to really, really strengthen those relationships with your boys, to strengthen the relationships of your boys with other men, to get involved, starting a trail life troop, getting involved in a trail life troop, uh, getting this badge-based education for your boys so that they can learn these skills that is really going to serve them well for the rest of their life and give them the confidence that's going to then flow over into really every other area of their life as well. So I can't encourage you highly enough. Check out the links in the show notes for this episode because there is a lot of great stuff for you to learn about trail life and the other things that we've talked about. So have a great rest of your day and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.